as was the custom with Texas politics, his campaign also cheated. Howdy! You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He was a business executive and a radio star who managed to parlay his fame into the Texas governor's mansion and the U.S. Senate. He also became the only person who defeated LBJ in an election. This week, we look at the life and career of W. Lee Pappy O'Daniel. But first, what's your favorite classic Texas dry good? My favorite is Beaumont, Texas's own Seaport Coffee. And it is delicious coffee that is roasted and packaged in Beaumont. And uh, you can get it at Walmart and Kroger and many other fine grocery stores. I'm going to say Imperial Sugar, made in Sugarland, Texas. Because there's nothing sweeter than Imperial Sugar. Because <laughs> it's sugar. From Sugarland. It'd be like, it's candy yes. from Candyland. Or money <laughs> from Money Town. Super sweet. Super, super sweet. Um, well, I'm going to go with Pioneer Flour, because uh, who doesn't like flour? Um, probably people that have gluten intolerance. But still, um, those of us that can have flour really enjoy floury yeah. things. And, and those of uh, us who can't rub it in your face. Yeah. They they make <laughs> no. a very, very fine pancake batter that is awesome. So, yes. Yes, mm, they do. Yummy. Good on you, Pioneer. Way to represent Texas. Let's have some pancakes. And the, and the Pioneer spirit mm-hmm. of... Um, baked you know, goods. if Jim Bowie were alive today, he would eat Pioneer pancakes. <laughs> it is true. Probably. It's a fact. Look it up. Wilbur Lee Pappy O'Daniel was born in Malta, Ohio on March 11, 1890, the son of William and Alice O'Daniel. His father, a Civil War veteran and farmer, died in an accident soon after Wilbur's birth. Within a few years, his mother remarried and they moved to a farm in Reno County, Kansas. O'Daniel went to school in Arlington, Kansas, and then attended the Salt City Business College in Hutchison, Kansas in 1908. After graduation, he was hired by a flour milling company in Kansas, where he became a stenographer and bookkeeper. It would be the beginning of a lifelong association with the flour industry. He later moved up to a larger milling company in Kingsman, Kansas, where he became sales manager. In 1917, he married Merle Butcher of Hutchison, with whom he had three children. O'Daniel followed work to Kansas City and then New Orleans in the early 1920s before taking a job as sales manager of the Burris Mills Flower Company in Fort Worth, Texas in 1925. As sales manager, he assumed responsibility for the company's radio advertising in 1928. At the time, Burris had its own radio show and he became the primary on-air talent, writing songs and jingles, discussing religious and social topics on air, and, of course, extolling the virtues of Burris's primary product, light crust dough. In 1930, O'Daniel was pitched an idea by a local out-of-work musician named Bob Wills. The pitch was to build an entire radio show around a band that would exist solely to promote light crust dough. O'Daniel gave Wills a shot, and in early January, Wills and several other local musicians, including Milton Brown, went on the air as the light crust doughboys. The group was paid seven fifty a week, that's $7.50 a week for the show, but also had to have jobs at Burris Mills during the day. The initial shows were well received, but O'Daniel didn't like the hillbilly-style music they played, 
so he took them off the air. The resulting outcry from listeners forced them to bring the band back on the air. The Light Crust Doughboys came to define the sound of Western Swing, which combined hillbilly or old-timey music of the country with the jazzy energy of the northern and eastern big band swing. Further, O'Daniel learned a lesson about listening to his audience and soon began performing and touring with the band. By 1935, O'Daniel was a household name in Texas and was able to part ways with Burris to form his own company, Hillbilly Flower. He continued to host a regular noontime radio show heard statewide, which gave him his nickname after a catchphrase used frequently on the air, Pass the Biscuits, Pappy, and propelled him into the public spotlight. He also started a new western swing band, the Hillbilly Boys, who had popular hits written by O'Daniel, including Pass the Biscuits, Pappy, and Beautiful Texas. In 1937, he moved to Eagle Pass on the border so he could co-own his own radio station, XEPN. This station broadcast out of Mexico and was co-owned by noted quack medicine salesman Carr Collins, who shared O'Daniel's desires to get around federal radio regulation about advertisement and, po- about advertisement and political endorsement. The powerful border radio station could be heard all over Texas and the Southwest and in later decades throughout the continent. A national magazine reporter wrote at the time about O'Daniel's show, quote, at 12.30 sharp each day, a 15-minute silence reigns in the state of Texas, broken only by mountain music and the dulcet voice of W. Leo Daniel. The show extolled the values of Hillbilly Branflower, the Ten Commandments, and the Bible. <laughs> Three great things. What a combo. In 1938, O'Daniel's popularity was at an all-time high, and he was convinced by Collins and other prominent businessmen that he could use that popularity to reach greater heights, the governor's mansion in Austin. In the book Border Radio by Gene Fowler and Bill Crawford, they say, Pappy was intrigued by the idea, but hesitant at first. He was a political novice, a Kansas-bred Republican sympathizer who had never voted in a Texas election and had not even paid the poll tax. But he was a brilliant salesman and knew instinctively that running for office would be a great way to sell flour. (laughs) O'Daniel took to the airwaves and told his audience that he had no desire for the governorship, but would step up and run if they, his loyal listeners, asked him to. Very soon the station was deluged with mail, and he faithfully hit the campaign trail, trekking throughout the state, extolling biblical values, pensions for those hit hard by the Depression, tax cuts, and of course... Hillbilly Flower. He pledged to block any sales tax, abolish capital punishment, liquidate the poll tax, and raise old age pensions. His campaign drew the largest crowds anyone could remember, and he surprised everyone by winning the vote with 51% of the ballot, beating out 12 other opponents. Of course, the only promise he actually kept upon entering the office for his two-year term was that the mansion's pantries would be stocked with Hillbilly Flower. O'Daniel unveiled a new tax plan, which had been crafted by his backers, that proposed multiple new sales taxes. The plan was actually voted down by the Texas legislature. Most of his pension and industrialization promises were actually met by the federal New Deal programs, and O'Daniel pretty much did nothing as governor other than continue to promote himself on his own radio program. Despite fulfilling none of his promises, he remained personally popular and he ran for re-election in 1940. O'Daniel campaigned on the assertion that he'd uncovered a plot of traitors who were plotting to take over Texas. It seemed the bigger the story, the more his public loved him. 
During his second term, he waged campaigns against organized labor as well as the Board of Regents at the University of Texas. He claimed that both were nests of subversion. He also continued to battle with the legislature, who generally ignored him and often was able to override his veto. And often was able to override his vetoes. In 1941, longtime U.S. Senator Morris Shepard died in office, leaving one of Texas' Senate seats vacant. The seat would be filled temporarily by someone appointed by the governor until a special election could be held. O'Daniel decided that he wanted that seat for himself, but he knew it would be bad form to appoint himself to the post, especially when it would have to be contested by a special election. He appointed Andrew Johnson Houston, the 86-year-old son of Sam Houston, to the position, knowing that Houston wouldn't be able to run against him in the special election. Houston did serve in the Senate, attending one committee meeting before dying himself. By this time, the special election was on, and Governor O'Daniel was running for the office. And you can learn more about Andrew Johnson Houston in an episode a couple of weeks back talking about Sam Houston's children. The 1941 special Senate election was unique in Texas history in many ways. O'Daniel was opposed in the Democratic primary by a young former schoolteacher and junior U.S. representative named Lyndon Baines Johnson. Johnson was personable, talented, ambitious, and highly intelligent. His campaign ran focused on issues and on an already impressive record as a tireless proponent of FDR's New Deal. O'Daniel, who had the advantage of a statewide radio show, ran a campaign based on his outlandish claims and well-loved personality. As the Book Border Radio puts it, quote, He suggested that Texas form its own army and navy to protect the southern borders. He swore that he would purge Congress if it did not pass a bill to outlaw strikes. He vowed to eliminate the federal debt and force Congress to provide $100 million per year for a national pension plan. He accused the Texas newspapers of being politically controlled instruments of the devil. O'Daniel won by just over 1,100 votes. Many in the press theorized that his victory was as much the result of enough of the establishment realizing that sending the governor to Washington was the easiest way to get him out of the state. As was the custom with Texas politics, his campaign also cheated, stealing votes and stuffing ballot boxes. It was the only campaign that LBJ ever lost in his long and storied career, and he learned his lesson well. When asked about it years later, LBJ would say, he stole more votes than we did, that's all. He never let it happen again. Yep, he stole plenty of votes in the future. Yeah, that's the thing, is that they ran a typical Texas campaign, which was pretty dirty. (laughs) And I'm sure that those 1,100 votes corresponded with several local cemeteries. (laughs) Never know. As a senator, O'Daniel continued his campaigns against organized labor, railing against the communistic labor leader racketeers, as well as the corrupt press. Mostly, though, he remained totally ineffective. O'Daniel barely survived a regular election challenge against prominent New Dealer and former governor James Alred, which served to turn him totally against the FDR administration. He and fellow Texas Senator Tom Connolly, despite both being Democrats, tended to side more with the Republican opposition in Congress, though they did steer some wartime jobs and industry into the state. In 1944, O'Daniel became a leading campaigner for the Texas Regulars, a third-party effort to siphon off enough Democratic votes in Texas to deny President Roosevelt a nomination for a fourth term. Despite O'Daniel's educational broadcasts on his station skewering FDR, The effort failed, 
and O'Daniel's popularity finally evaporated. By the end of his term in 1948, his popularity ratings were below 10%, and he announced that he would not seek re-election as he had little hope that America could be saved from the threat of communism. He returned to Texas, where he bought a ranch outside of Fort Worth and retired. He invested in real estate and an insurance company in Dallas and amassed a considerable fortune. In 1956 and again in 1958, motivated by the communist-inspired Supreme Court in the Brown v. Board of Education case, which ordered the integration of schools, O'Daniel attempted to run for the Democratic nomination for Texas governor. He managed to capture over 350,000 votes in 1956, but he ended up failing in both elections. It was his last public act, and he faded into insignificance. He died in Dallas in 1969. Today, O'Daniel is mostly remembered for being the only person to beat LBJ in an election, but also, more positively, for his role in the evolution of Western swing and, through that, modern country-Western music. In 2011, the Coen Brothers film O Brother Where Art Thou brought Pappy O'Daniel to an entire new generation through Charles Durning's portrayal of a character largely based on this remarkable personality. Wow. What a, wow. What a guy. No, no echoes of what's Pappy going O'Dan. on in America today, that's for sure. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting is, is, like you said, he got elected mostly through uh, his personality, not any you know, viable policies or anything. And it, and it seems that he was able to bumble his way through his political career without causing any real lasting damage, um, yeah. which, you know, allows us then to look back and think, wow, what a, what a silly, you know, entertaining kind of guy, as opposed to, wow, he really messed up the state. So for that, I'm thankful. Yeah. For, for, for not for lack of trying, but, uh, uh, he, 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 he was certainly, um, he certainly tried to, to do some, some screwy things like, you know, abolishing the University of Texas and yeah. that kind of thing. But um, I actually knew of I knew about Pappy O'Daniel even before O Brother Where Art Thou because uh, years and years ago uh, when we were in college, I bought a CD called Texas Music Volume 2, and it was Western Swing and Honky Tonk Music. And the first three songs on there are ones by Bob Wills, uh, ones by... M- the Light Crust Doughboys and ones by Milton Brown. And so Bob Wills and Milton Brown were part of the Light Crust Doughboys. Um, but the, the, it's a fascinating CD and the music is amazing. If it's not, it's not a lot of people's cup, or, cup of tea, but it seems like, it seems like that, that swing kids music, but with more fiddle and someone in the background always going, aha, <laughs> things like that. All right, like, but, but I, anyway, I feel like the swing kids thing, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and if you watched, you know, if you, our parents' generation, they grew up watching, you know, the Grand Old Opry, and so they knew intimately who Bob Wills was many years later. Um, but Pappy O'Daniel was an important part of that, and that, that's what's amazing about him is that he did manage to convey, convey like that that forceful personality of of not just a forceful personality, but also a very relatable personality that people liked him and they liked to listen to him. Uh, you know, they felt like he was, he was just one of them. I mean, his signature song was pass the biscuits, Pappy. Um, and he was able to convey that into a political career almost by default, you know? So, but it's an interesting tale. I mean, like, so at this time, you know, radio was just kind of, it was showing the power of media, the power of radio. And, and he really became, 
you know, he was the voice through the radio for so many people, and uh, he was able to really monopolize that and turn this into really an empire. Well, and he created at the end of the day, all he cared about was selling his products. Right, right. He created his own brand around himself. He created a brand of Mm -hmm. himself, and that's that's really a a remarkable media accomplishment, Uh, and and it's 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 one of the first I can think of. I mean, we we joked about this a little outside the show, but you know, I mean, it's eerily prescient to to what's happening today with Trump in the news. I mean, he's a he's a media personality. He's a business person who's dipping into politics and creating this uh, bit of a cult of personality around himself. So, and by saying by saying things, people people think that they want to hear a bit. Hmm. Well, you know, and I mean, uh, the, yeah. you know, Papio Daniel did a pretty, yeah. pretty good political career built on that. <laughs> yeah. Singing into, into a can. And also singing so, into a can. Go watch um, your brother were out there and feel better about yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, don't want fop. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you'll appreciate that Willie Nelson covered Beautiful Texas, which was written by Papio Daniel, on one of his early albums, 1968's Texas in My Soul. And so if you go to YouTube, you can actually find Willie Nelson singing. That song is quite lovely. Oh, there you go. Any, any excuse to listen to Willie Nelson. So the other thing is his connection with Border Radio. And that book, uh, I actually own that book. I just recently bought it to, to read it. We're going to do a whole episode on Border Radio and its importance to Texas. That wraps things up for the day. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. We know you love the delicious flavor of light crust dough. And we know you love this show and we know you love Texas. So please, tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes. Because that really helps us out to find new listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>